Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Nick Patel. Nick, are you ready to do this? Absolutely. Let's go for it. Let's go. Nick is the founder and CEO of Wellable. They're a company dedicated to helping organizations establish successful employee wellness programs that are aligned with company culture, values, and business goals. Nick, excited to have you back on the show. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Uh, yeah, so George, I know second time uh, we've been chatting on the podcast uh, since last time we talked. Uh, new father, I'm trying to actually th- remember the exact date of our prior podcast, definitely before uh, my first daughter was born. So, new father, for those of you who can uh, you know relate, it's a big change in your life. You know, probably bigger change than getting married and all those types of life events. So that's exciting. Certainly, uh, managing uh, my sleep the best I can. Um, just thinking about health and wellness perspective, but. Uh, for those of you who were just listening for the first time uh, or didn't listen to my prior podcast, I'm the founder and CEO of a wellness company called Wellable. Effectively, we build a software and services solution to help companies keep their employees healthy, happy, productive, and just really thriving in both their personal and professional lives. Nice. Do you explain to to your your daughter, like, listen, I run a wellness company. You need to let me get a certain amount of sleep every night. <laughs> Yeah, I, eventually I hope hope to have that conversation with her. <laughs> okay, I'm just wondering yeah. if it's like frustrating because I've I, I've been there. Not that I won't run a wellness company anyway. I'm sure it's all I'm sure it's all working out great. So, so we are um, coming theoretically speaking out of COVID. People are returning to work, uh, or 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 they're not. People are doing hybrid. What is what is your feeling? Your sense? Your, your experience as you're talking to companies about wellness right now? Yeah. So, you know, going back to the early, early days of the pandemic, the thing that we realized kind of quickly when we were in the response and recovery phase, when everything was truly uncertain, was that our general thesis, which has been so far held largely true, and I think this applies to companies uh, like ours in the wellness space, as well as just companies broadly, certainly they're, you know, each industry is impacted a little bit differently. But in general, I would say COVID accelerated trends that we are already seeing in the market. And so I mean by that, you know, as you noted, remote work. Uh, we were we have a big blog. We blog a lot about how remote work was picking up steam. More and more companies were doing it. The difference in this scenario was that companies were forced into remote work as opposed to making the strategic decision, you know, which takes time. Larger companies have bureaucracies. They think about, you know, how do we perfectly roll this out from an IT perspective? Uh, COVID just forced them all to do it. Um, and so those companies who were thinking about it before certainly had to jump in the pool a little bit quicker. Those companies who were adamantly against it had no real choice. They had to go remote. And I think they've, for many of them, they've realized that uh, at least partially, uh, you know, whether they're going to go hybrid or come back full time on site, uh, they've realized that many of their concerns were not as big concerns as you would think, right? Like a sales team can still be productive working from home, right? Your customer success team can still be productive. Uh, those things are certainly possible, um, and they were just kind of forced into it. So uh, that trend was already happening. It was accelerated in, in to, many, to many degrees. I don't know where we are in that time frame. If there's going to be a 10-year transition to remote work, I'm not sure if it happened fully in two years or exactly what's going on. But it's clear to us, you know, just talking to our clients, 
uh, anecdotally for our company as well, uh, that remote work to some degree is here to stay. Just personally on our, uh, you know, you and I were talking before we started uh, chatting on the podcast, we just signed the lease to a new office. And like a lot of the friends I talked to or, you know, founders and CEOs of companies are kind of a little bit shocked. They're like, hey, why are you doing that right now? Um, well, one is when we signed the lease, we didn't know exactly uh, where we'd be in the pandemic. So we had to take a little bit of a leap of faith. Omicron was not a, a word that anyone really knew at the time when we signed the lease. But from our perspective, um, we thought that as a growing company, there's a lot of learning to be had. For myself and every person who's joining and we're hiring a lot of folks, um, that learning tends to happen better in person. We don't need to be on site 100% of the time. But from our perspective, we wanted our target is to start with three days a week um, once we're past this kind of pandemic period and safe to do so. So exactly when that month will be, I don't know. But once we're kind of back to what is considered our new normal, we'll be back three days a week. And that's a shift from where we were before, which was five days a week. And so um, every company is doing a little bit differently. But from our perspective, it's just been all those type of trends, technology adoption, remote work, et cetera, have just been accelerated in the pandemic. Yeah, well, that certainly does make sense. So you talked about how people were worried about, we really want to do this perfectly. And I think that there's, that's a very, very human and uh, something that we all want to do is if I'm going to do this thing, I want to do it the right way and I'm going to stress out about it. But we as humans are pretty adaptable and we know that just sometimes doing something, even though it's not going to be perfect, is going to give us the opportunity to be moving in the right direction. We can kind of make changes to it. How do you think about that in, in, in a company implementing a, 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 a wellness program? Yeah, I would say even going back towards general feedback, my life experience has taught me, especially as it relates to you know running Wellable, is that every time you think you have a hard transition, you do all this prep work, do all these things, and you, you know, maybe rightfully so, you kind of stress and worry about it a little bit, but it's never as bad as you anticipated, right? And I'll give you an example for us, just uh, from a product perspective. Uh, in December, we were going to roll out a, a way we calculate Wellable points and not get into too much into the weeds. Effectively, every activity you do within Wellable, you earn Wellable points, and those transition or kind of transfer to rewards and incentives your employer can give you. Um, when we first started, the way Wellable points were calculated as it relates to exercise minutes, so like non-step and non-distance activities, was one way. And at the time, I think you know, looking back, that was the right way to do it. Things evolved, you know new apps and devices are coming out all the time. So we had a different way to calculate it. So if we were going to start the company fresh or that way we were doing the minutes calculation, we would do it differently. And we kept on delaying saying, hey, this is a hard change. Many people are in the middle of their program. How are you going to switch it? So the reality is we probably drug our feet for another one or two years, not wanting to make the change. That was clear that how we started the company fresh, we would do it this way. And we finally you know, said, look, we got to pull it, uh, the bandaid off, rip it off. Let's communicate to our employers. Let's talk to all of our users in advance. Did all this extra communication. We prepped our support team to be ready for all these extra tickets, everything. And when we happened, it was a little bit anticlimactic, right? And I think part of that's because of the prep work we did. But part of it's like, when you're making a step in the right direction, it's easy to, to think that, hey, this is a big change. It's going to be really difficult to do. But it is clear to almost every stakeholder especially when it's like a, the most obvious decision that this is the right move to do and they break it really quickly. So as it relates to employee wellness and the programs we're doing, uh, groups have to clearly change the nature of the program, some more than others. But if you were running hypothetically a completely on-site program, so you're pre-COVID, everyone's in the office, you're bringing speakers and seminars, you are 
having on-site fitness classes, you maybe have a nutritionist on site or something like that. You have a very comprehensive program that completely goes away the minute you go remote, right? By choice uh, or not by choice, right? It's just the nature of it. You have to go digital and those transitions can seem hard, but in the moment, especially as it relates to COVID and all the uncertainty, there's an obvious answer. You had to go digital. You couldn't just pause your program and wait it out. That didn't make sense, especially with the kind of health and well-being challenges employees were experiencing in the early days of the pandemic and to a certain extent, the current situation that we're in. Um, so it often seems harder than it really is. But when you make that decision and it's the clear, right decision to do, we find that transitions pretty quickly. Um, as it relates to specific programming, we found that companies often talk behind the scenes about mental health. It was always a concern. You talk to an HR person, they recognized it. But there's a natural stigma about mental health. So they weren't encouraging their managers to be open about it, whether about their own personal struggles or things like that. It was something that went below the radar. Everyone recognized that it was an important concept, which was still a big step forward because 10 years ago, people wouldn't have had that conversation. So we were clearly progressing. But what COVID did is accelerate everything, as I mentioned before, and accelerate the need to make an, to address something like mental health. And so these groups, uh, being employers, found themselves in a situation where they knew they should be doing something. It was clearly the right move. They had to go digital and they had to address different dimensions of health, for example, mental health. And they started having some of those maybe uncomfortable conversations. They started rolling out benefits that specifically addressed those challenges employers or employees were going through, um, whether it was compounded by the pandemic or not. Um, I think they were taking action in response to it. And I think where we are is just in a better place. We have more flexible work environments. We had uh, more companies uh, considering and thinking about the mental health, well-being of their employees and things like that. This episode brought to you by Hydronic Hydration, electrolyte powder drink packets. Started in the midst of the pandemic, the founder of Hydronic Hydration, a frontline healthcare worker, started developing constant headaches. Landmark research study published early during the pandemic showed that up to 81% of frontline healthcare workers developed new headaches, mainly because their PPE, personal protective equipment, like face masks and face shields, which prevented them from eating and drinking properly while on the job. He would leave work tired, dehydrated, and burned out. The founder looked for a healthy drink with all the necessary vitamins and minerals, but no sugar, something that was keto-friendly and healthy, but most powder drinks in the market have a ton of sugar and caffeine. That's why he created Hydronique Hydration, sugar-free, keto-friendly, plant-based, antioxidant-rich electrolyte powder packets for daily use containing all the essential vitamins and minerals, with a refreshing taste. Their product contains elderberry, which has immune-boosting properties for support during cold and flu season. Hydronique Hydration Electrolyte Powder Packets can also fit into your bag or suitcase when traveling. Remember traveling? So if you are having trouble with eating and drinking healthy during your busy day in 2022, but want a sugar-free, keto-friendly vitamin drink, give Hydronique Hydration a try. There are 30 electrolyte powder packs in each pouch, perfect for a one-month supply. You can visit the website, www.hydronikhydration. That's www.h-y-d-r-o-n-i-q-u-e-hydration.com. It's the word hydration and unique mashed together. That's 
www.hydroniquehydration.com or just search for Hydronique Hydration on Amazon.com where they're offering a $10 discount coupon at checkout for the next week. You can also find the links in the notes of the show. Yeah, it does strike me as a, a super exciting time. And I remember that we talked the first time about how seemed like we were on the brink of of getting past a lot of the a lot of the stigmas around mental health and now uh you've had naomi osaka and um i'm gonna blank on the young lady who is you know the best olympian gymnast ever she came up simone biles came out and talked about it there was a a documentary by about marty fish he's a professional tennis player uh so it seems like we are progressing in, in 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 a really positive way do you see, I, I'm thinking back to all the things that we were talking about pre-pandemic, it seemed like we were talking a lot about values more so than we were talking about them before and talking about mental health now and just a more integrated approach to just talking about business and making money. People are obviously always valuing their employees, but do you see that continue to 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 trend and evolve? I'm asking the longest question I've ever asked anybody ever, but uh, as, as, as from an integrated wellness standpoint, more so than just diet and exercise, now it's mental health. Do you see that going further? I think so. I mean, at the very least, uh, when we talk about trends, they're never in absolutes. So even though mental health is trending, employers are adopting it at greater rates than before, there's still a significant portion of employers that are not doing anything. And so I think in general, um, you're going to see that trend or that adoption rate increase over time. I think the, the bigger question, at least the one I think about a lot, it's like, how far do they go, right? Um, with mental health, it's one of those weird concepts where just from a financial perspective, right, companies who are very, even very interested in trying to help their employers or employees with mental health have limitations from a financial perspective, right? So whether it's a health plan consideration about how much and how many sessions with your therapist will we reimburse? Um, I know a lot of CEOs of companies who are, from a values perspective, want, want to fully cover it. Right? They completely understand the value of it, but just the financial position of the company, just they couldn't do that. So I think to see where companies are drawing the lines um, for what is a value-based decision, also what's a recruitment decision. We hear a lot about you know, mental health now becoming something of less of a stigma. People feel comfortable asking about those benefits in the recruitment process because they recognize those benefits are things that they want to have. Before, they may be a little bit shy about asking for, for those type of questions, like what are your mental health benefits and things like that, because they didn't want to raise any red flags, right? Um, since that stigma and that cloud has gotten been removed to a certain degree, those individuals are asking those questions. And the reason they're asking is because it matters to them. And it matters to them. Uh, in a way that should matter to the employer for no other reason than the recruitment and retention process of getting those, the right talent, the right people and, and things of that nature. I do think in general though, uh, companies um, are always heading in the right direction in the sense that it may, it may always not be as fast as we want, but in general, they are moving to the right direction. So whether it's financial well-being and the things that you do with Money Lime Academy, whether it's mental health, whether it's things like ESG, right? So companies really thinking about you know, how can we be sustainable in our businesses? Uh, even if we don't have a large carbon footprint, everyone can do a little bit more and do a little bit better. Um, we see this with diversity, equity, inclusion, right? Um, we've always blogged and talked about that topic. Um, 
but we're finding that our companies now are, you know, when we would go through a sales process, even though we were trying to address that in our product, it wasn't a question we often received about DEI. And now we're beginning to get those type of questions, which is just a reflection that those companies are beginning to consider that factor as they think about even the little things like their wellness program. Yeah, nothing but a positive thing. I appreciate you sort of bringing that full circle and talking about ESG and DEI. And these are, these are big things that maybe were sort of talked about in the past, but very much on, on, on the forefront. And I guess we can't expect companies to, 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 to implement and change everything immediately. And there's financial considerations as well. So I appreciate that. Um, in terms of uh, actual physical fitness, with our phones, we can obviously access, you know, classes and stuff like that. But do you see any trends coming up that you're excited about or devices, whatever it might be? It's a good question. I feel like I spend most of my time thinking about uh, the non-physical fitness portion of it. There's a lot of saturation is not the right word, but there are a lot of comp- competitors out there that are trying to do unique and interesting things. Uh, I feel like most of it's around your heart rate and your workout time. Um, and what does that mean? And kind of how are you managing and optimizing heart rate uh, during those act, uh, bouts or spurts of physical activity? Um, the other thing as it relates, I think I put this under physical fitness, maybe it's under sleep or recovery, but there are a lot of groups out there who are tying their, the physical activity portion of their device or tracker around recovery, thinking that you know it's a two-sided coin as much as you're thinking about how do you uh, exhaust your energy to make yourself stronger, faster, better. Um, how do you recover in a way that allows you to exceed your capacity previously? Cause that's a big portion of that. And so those are often deeply tied together. I'm not sure if that's technically physical activity or not, but uh, we're, we're, we're seeing that being coupled with physical activity tracking. I think the thing that I find most interesting, I'll give you one example of it, but there are a ton of groups out there and I'm not advocating that this is the, the best one necessarily, but Microsoft has this new, product or feature or feature set called Viva. And so we're Microsoft stack at our company. So we use Teams, we use Outlook, we use Office, things like that. And what Viva does effectively is takes a whole host of data points. Like for example, those of, hey, Nick, you're on Teams kind of late last night. You're sending emails late, right? You spent a lot of time on this one specific Word document working, which it may be assigned at it's kind of exhausting task. There's a lot of effort that went into it. I don't know exactly what the algorithms and things are that go into the, the Viva kind of computation, but they want to start identifying stress scores, risk scores, all geared around mental health. Um, they want to combine companies' wellness program data in terms of biometrics and things like that. I think they're very much in the early days um, of, you know, based on Nick's profile, uh, what does that mean? You know, so for example, and what I mean by that is, you know, for example, we have a very flexible work schedule at our company. So I could, in theory, be sending like late night emails, but that's just a reflection that I'm not very active in the middle of the day because maybe I have to take my daughter's school and pick her up and things like that. So I choose to take breaks throughout the day and make up for them later at night. So it's not always necessarily a bad thing to say globally. If someone sends an email out late night, that is something that you don't want. And that's not always the case because the company providing them with the flexibility to do what they want to do. And that may be not working in the middle of the day, but working a little bit at night, that could be an indication of health, not, you know, something negative necessarily. So they're just putting all this data for someone like me specifically, I'm on my computer all the time. So if you're collecting all the data points for my computer, which is a 
Microsoft laptop and all the office suites and things that I'm using, you have so much access to information that I think they're going to eventually uncover something that's really meaningful from an insight perspective. And what the action item is, is still unclear, but it could be something really small. All that data could come out to a simple action item as, hey, Nick, we noticed that based on all these factors, you may be feeling a little bit overwhelmed right now. Why don't you just take five minutes and go for a quick walk, right? Or do uh, a breathing exercise or something. And by the way, here's one you can use right now on your computer. Like it's already there. It's already right in front of you, front and center. And I think that's what's going to end up being um, is something deeply integrated to the technologies we use that provide really small steps and actions. And so that's just one example where I think I'm really excited about how that develops and transforms. And the good thing about Microsoft is the data, what's often difficult about some of these next generation technologies is that they require certain data points that are difficult to obtain. Microsoft, I don't know what their user base is, but it's like well into the hundreds of millions of people use Microsoft Office. So they can already deploy reasonably intelligent solutions to a huge portion of the population without them doing anything that this already built into the products that they use. And I think that's really meaningful and impactful. That's fascinating. <clears throat> totally fascinating. And I think that that makes a ton of sense. Pardon me. Yeah, no worries. A little frog in my throat here, Nick. Um, <laughs> wow. So maybe your computer is just going to say, Nick, close the computer for a couple of <laughs> minutes, buddy. Take a step back. <laughs> yeah. I'm still waiting for them to say something where I'm like, oh, they're right. This is <laughs> nice. And that, 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 that makes all the sense in the world. Um, you know, I, what's running through my head are like black mirror scenarios or something like that. But uh, making suggestions about just little interventions here or there, which, which, which you mentioned such a positive thing, just get up and take a walk. If you find yourself, getting frustrated or burned out or overwhelmed, which is just a, a absolutely natural byproduct of working with screens and technology that, um, that the more information about that, the more data, uh, and then the more you can empower somebody to be recognizing when they're kind of running up against that kind of a thing. That's a really positive thing. Yeah, the, the one thing I'll say, so I've actually never seen black mirror and generally I kind of know what the concept is because people, people who, hear me talk about data, mention it often. So like, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm way off. The one thing I'll say about data and someone who's Kepler concerned about my data, like I don't have a Facebook account. I don't, you know, I, I think about where I'm browsing and things like that. Um, my daughter, and who we kind of full circle here, never sees a TV or a cell phone, right? Um, I can see how quickly she's addicted because if she ever sees me on it, she's like staring at it. So I'm like, you know what? So we have like no phone time. Um, and things like that when, you know, her wake hours aren't very long, but, but we try to adhere to it. But what, one thing I'll say about data is I always come back to like, what are the economic interests and incentives that are there for the company who's the, you know, data processor, right? That's the technical GDPR term, but like Facebook, what is their economic incentive, right? Their economic incentive is have you hyper-engaged, right? And super focused and maybe eliciting emotions, good or bad. So you can see how, whether they're ill-intended or not, and I'm not trying to weigh in on it, that their goal of wanting to make you hyper-engaged has unintended consequences that are detrimental to your personal health or your society in general and things like that. So when I, so when I, so I always think about that from that lens. So when I think about something like Viva, for example, Microsoft, their goal is, you know, 
they're not making money off the data necessarily, right? They're making money on you having subscription to Office and Excel and making your life more productive and healthy. So their incentive would be if this individual does take a break, it comes back 10x better, can finish the day strong. That is their economic incentive in some ways. They're not charging for the product, charging for Office separately. Not to say that they wouldn't be a bad um, steward of your data because anyone could be a bad steward, but the economic incentives don't encourage them to do so, right? Where groups are generally on the consumer end with free products like Google search or Facebook or things like that. That's where the incentive begins, I think, to get questionable and sometimes leads to unintended consequences. So, um, but, you know, as it relates to health and well-being or any concept, like the advice I give anyone is be really sensitive about your data. It is as valuable to you as many of the personal material items you have, and you should treat it as such. Love it. Like that makes a ton of sense. Well, Nick, thanks for coming back on. Where can people learn more about you and what's the best way for companies to engage with Wellable? Yeah. So uh, always you can come to our website. It's www.wellable, W-E-L-L-A-B-L-E.co. So we're one of those companies that don't have a .com address. They're just .co. Um, there you have a whole host of information about our company, our product. But where I always tell people to start is kind of where we start um, from a product perspective, from just a market perspective, which is educating ourselves on what's going on in health and well-being. So um, on that website, we have a blog. We have a link to a thought leadership group we launched recently called Wellable Labs that just does proprietary research, do surveys, things like that, host free webinars. It's an opportunity for you to learn about health and wellness in general, and then specifically as it relates to the way we try to improve that from a society perspective, which is organizational health, working with employers and things like that. Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Nick your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to wellable.co. It's W-E-L-L-A-B-L-E.co and check out all those great resources. Check out the thought leadership group that Nick was just talking about and find out how you can help your employees become happier and healthier and, and more productive. Thanks again, Nick. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.